Hello and welcome along to our Tortoise Shack Sunday special where all the various hosts in the Tortoise Shack Network round up all the events of the week. So joining us today are Dr. Vicky Conway from The Police Podcast, Martin Antoni from Echo Chambers Podcast and myself Caroline from Glow West. So this podcast would be a lot easier to do maybe a few years ago when we weren't living through world history every five minutes, but we'll try and do our best to break down some of the events this week. I I think we'd have a five hour podcast if we tried to tackle everything, but we'll try and squish it in. So as always, we chat about all these events and then we have a special Q&A section for patrons at the end. If you want to join us, it's a bit of fun. Head along over to Tortoise Shack, no, patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack, Tony kill me um you'd, and you can join us next week and we we always have a bit of a laugh on a Sunday you do always get serious bang for your book as mm-hmm. there are over 40 different podcasts a month released on the shack with live events as well so you do get a lot of uh yeah I'm trying not to make a sex pun but yeah I'm trying to we'll we'll skip that anyway so we'll dive in um there's a lot is an understatement to happen this week. I suppose we might just start with a mention of, I suppose, the breaking news this morning that the Mother and Baby Homes report has been leaked. Um, and the headline of that is that 9,000 children died in those homes and something like over 50,000 women passed through the doors. So um, I suppose the issue about this is that survivors were caught unawares of, of the leak of this. Vicky, do you want to have a chat about that? Yeah, I think just the most important thing right now is for everyone to try and ignore that, you know, the next week or two is for survivors to read the report, to digest it. There's going to be so much in it. It's shocking that this has been leaked when that was the plan, you know, very much to give survivors the space with this. Um, And whoever is responsible for that, it's really shameful. Um, And at the moment, it's all about survivors and supporting them. And so... I suppose we here at the Shack would encourage people not to engage in sharing the details of the report. Yeah, I think it's just yet another indignation and yet another uh, sign of the lack of respect that is shown to women in this country, but women who've been through those systems as well. So, uh, are you, um, I'm sorry, can I say I believe it, that this to be deliberate and strategic, and it is c- continually done. Um, it's been pointed out in the in the comments that the same same sort of leak happened with the Ryan report and we've seen it if you recall at the back of at the back end of the Charleston report that uh, that RT were giving out the details of that before it was ever actually published so we have seen this and it is quite um it's very trouble troubling when we saw the, the, the stress that this caused I mean we covered it in depth on this podcast um only only a couple of months ago and we spoke to survivors and for them to have to read it like that is just totally inappropriate and um, I think more trauma to be heaped Berg has just shared in the in the chat that there's um, phone lines are being set up on Tuesday for survivors and free counseling services being offered. So that really should be the story of this week. Um, what the supports that are available for women um, and the link is shared in the chat. We might put that in the um, the blurb. Mm-hmm. The end. It's a HSC um, yeah. helpline. So moving on, then speaking of the HSC, our COVID numbers, as we've seen, have just been absolutely through the roof. We hit eight and a half thousand, I think, the other day. Yesterday it was slightly better at four and a half thousand. Um, but obviously this is a massive issue for our hospitals, which doesn't have they don't have enough ICU beds um, or testing facilities, I suppose, at the moment for even <laughs> beginning to address all the numbers around this. Tony, what's your take on that this week? 
Um, well, I mean, uh, obviously, the, the the big problem that we've seen has, has been reported by other people is that, you know, the 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 health system is is really really stretched. I mean, we saw. It, uh, I spoke to several doctors this week, and they talked about going into the ICUs and the COVID wards and wards that are now being converted to to COVID wards. I know of, and Martin, you know this. Of someone someone close to me was sent home. Um, who needs to be in hospital was sent home in, in a way that they said, well, this is just, it's it's better for you to avoid the the COVID issue than it is your actual ongoing issue and we can try and treat you in, in a different way. It's far from ideal. Um, do, do you mind if I bring in our, our guest, actually? Um, we're joined by a, 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 a doctor himself, uh, Mohsen Kamal. Mo, um, you, you're on the front line. Um, you're also campaigning actively for fast track citizenship um can i just ask you how are things r- right now in the health system uh hi tony thank you so much for inviting me for this show uh yeah things are pretty bad as you can uh, see from the reports from the department of health uh like uh, for the last two weeks i don't think so these things are going in the right direction but uh, we're all trying our best to keep the numbers low and i think everybody else has to play their part in this as well uh it's pretty bad yeah all i can say um just on the i want to go back to the campaign specifically that you were you've been speaking about and the fast track citizenship um i a few weeks ago the justice minister helen mcintyre took her feet in the shannon and she said that we had to be careful around immigration because it could create stress on our health system which is a very old kind of dog whistle to it to a different time of uh, and and how did you did you hear that and what did you what did you think at the time sorry i didn't hear that well it was our justice minister actually stood in the shannon yeah. and and warned that if uh, if we opened up more to immigration we risked stress on our health system and it, was, it has to be pointed out that our health system is dependent on these migrant workers it makes no sense it, yeah make no sense because the system is already like dependent on the immigrant worker and uh, let me just tell you there are 43% of the doctors working in the irish health system they are immigrant doctors and uh, the nurses may be more than that so it's absolutely making no sense to me that uh, they will invite more doctors they are already inviting more doctors it's it's not the issue that they are dependent on these doctors the issue that the, the doctors who are already here in this system they are struggling like with the systems uh, with the, the the rules of the department of justice yeah and and again I, I that is really important I, I mean we were fortunate months ago when this crisis kicked off to to speak to the for example um Joe Pina in Portugal who talked about immediately they regularized the 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 status for people as citizenship they just regularized because it brought everybody in and, and it may help help them be able to avail of healthcare and to try and fight clusters that could happen because there are communities that you know particularly in the in the migrant community that may feel that they can't show and, and go for testing if they feel that their immigration status then might become a problem what is what is this we're we're literally calling on this now um have you found that you're getting any traction with the government uh no not yet uh i have been trying to keep in touch with them but like i so far i haven't heard anything back from them i only heard a couple of statements from department of justice and that's only through the the journalist and let me tell you the it's not just portugal it's uh, france did the same thing and canada did the same thing 
And France said like uh, they can have the immigration after three years. And Canada said that uh, the immigrant healthcare worker who died fighting in this pandemic, their families can apply for the immigrant uh, for the citizenship, which is like a big thanks to all those workers. And it's it's just as a recognition of their work that uh, everybody knows like nobody can go back the, to their home and they they need to stay here. They just need to boost up the confidence and the motive have to motivate these workers. And that's just a little appreciation. Um, it well, it just seems like the, the honest thing to do. I, I when we spoke about this about a week ago, I, I made the point that I didn't even like the idea of you know, you have to make that sacrifice. Like it's, it's, yeah. you know, it just seems a bit much where you're saying, oh, well, it's this particular person who, who was really good. Um, and I saw the, you know, saying, you know, that sort of that meritocracy being applied to it. Surely if people are here to support uh, and, and contributing, they're here, you know, and, and surely we, yeah. we should, ha- we should do something that, that normalizes that situation. Can I ask though, I know you've mentioned to me, um, there are other blockers in terms of access to training and access to actually bettering your 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 ability to do your job. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing I have been working on uh, on it like for last eight or nine months. Uh, the issue is that the immigrant doctors, especially the doctors who are from uh, outside the Europe, outside the Europe, they cannot uh, they can apply for training, but when it comes to give them the training or to select them for any training they are just outside the criteria to meet the merit. Let me just explain to you, like if we have 30 candidates applying for a one job, uh, sorry, for 30 jobs, okay? And there's another candidate who is uh, the 30, number 31, who is me, like I'm not from Ireland, I'm from uh, from Pakistan. So the 31st candidate will be out of the, the merit and out of the number of the training posts already, even before they have looked at his, his CV, or his uh, his his uh, contribution and uh, like uh, his sacrifices and his interview as well. Like they don't even consider those things. They just say like, because you are not here, we will prefer those thirty candidates. However, their CVs are and I know they are brilliant doctor, but still like it's not the merit. It's not the e- equality we are we're talking. Uh, so that that's how we are feeling here. Like uh, I'm basically stuck here i can only do a locum a locum job or just a regular registrar job and i'm not going anywhere to become a consultant which i i wish i could become that's my dream to become a consultant and and ireland with the with the lowest level of of consultants in the oecd you know and and we and we can't train people who want to do to do the work who who live here work here contribute here and um and are actually hope helping us through a joint pandemic i mean i know there's going to be loads of people listening to this just think about that in context of of what 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 we do as 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 a as a nation what does it say about us and what does it say about us as as a place to send people around the world um well just in, kind of just to go back to COVID at the moment though uh, i've heard distressing reports of higher numbers and really really scary numbers of of people now um getting sick in 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 categories that we didn't see in march and april is is are, are you seeing that or is that just anecdotal <laughs> i i don't know like what people want to uh want to know about this pandemic if anybody has any doubt they are welcome in all the, if they take all the precaution i can take them with me to show them the people the number of people who are being admitted in the hospital with covid i am working in a pediatric hospital 
and uh, let me tell you i haven't seen a single patient uh, until two weeks ago with acute covid in the hospital and now there are many small kids and they're admitted in the hospital so this is different i haven't observed these things in the past last six months but this is new and this thing is real like it this i have seen uh, people uh luckily not the kids they they have very good uh, outcome but the other people i have seen especially from my family like they died with the covid so uh, nobody can deny that um mo we're going we're going to have to move on but i will say to people if you're listening do check out the the mo it's it's mosin kamal 169 yeah. on twitter you'll find um the the hashtag is is very simple it's fast track citizenship um, and I would say if you are if you're talking if you any interactions with your local TDs with your other people make the call on them because we really do need um, we need this or, or there is no health service there is no people actually it's not just the health service either you know people are here to contribute and they're, 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 they're working and they're, they're keeping this economy afloat Mo th- thank you so much for all the work you do we really really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today thank you so much Tony and thank you everybody else thank you I just say it seems like the right moment to point out the complete hypocrisy that the Secretary General post of the Department of Health has just been advertised with uh, a 90%, sorry, a 90,000 pay rise yeah. from 200,000 to 290,000. It's galling and sickening. And I mean, I get absolutely that you know, we want like the best people to apply. It's, it's such a difficult job, blah, blah, blah. But like, I know my take on this is always like the person you want applying for that is somebody who wants to contribute to public service and shouldn't be driven by money at the end of the day. I mean, like, God, my first year and a half on the policing authority, I got zero and I was adding a day and a half a week to my workload you know I was working seven days six and a half days a week and I like I just did it because it was the right thing to do like oh it just really gets my goal I just oh I do want to make one statistical point on that and it's the if you look at the overall league table say for our politicians who are on the same scale so some of these people they're the the fifth or sixth highest paid in the eu 27 in the in the sixth least densely populated country in in the group and if you if you factor in the gini index which you should the gini index which you should they're second or third highest paid so it doesn't make any like this idea of we have to pay top to get this to get the talent doesn't add up. Sorry, Martin, I saw you want to. Yeah, I just think that it, it goes against the idea that you're doing your country a service. Mm-hmm. Your country is doing you a service by paying you three hundred grand. You know, it's ridiculous. If you want the job, do it as a service. Uh, I think Vincent Brown was right years ago when he said that pay should all be capped. And I think he was absolutely right, and I think it's gone completely out of control, and yet. Across government, um, be it opposition or actually in government, there is no calls to address this this pay gow. Uh, what would you call it? Feast that's going on, and they have they have literally feathered their own nests since they got in, and not a single politician right across the doll has said, "Nah, enough of this." Let's let's cut wages. We're well paid. We're overly paid. And we don't have to declare our expenses, which was an absolute disgrace. That's the only good thing that or the only thing that ever came from the whistleblower legislation was that politicians were able to hide their expenses. It, it was ridiculous. Absolutely scandalous. 
I think it's even more gallon in the time when they voted not to pay nurses in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, they find 90 grand. Like 90 grand is not a lot for some people, but for the majority of us, that's a huge amount. And I, I suppose it struck me. I saw a tweet from um, a person called Michal who tweets under Momling. Mom M-O-M-L-G-N and he was on my COVID care podcast and he said that's the equivalent of 25 family carers struggling to survive on the carers allowance or 30 individuals trying to survive on the disability allowance. So the fact that, you know, you can just find this 90 grand when we have disabled people living in poverty and we're not paying student nurses, it's just even more of a slap in the face and it's just uh, scratching their own backs instead of scratching the rest of our backs. And it's not even like... I just think that point about service is so important. Like the kind of person we want to get into this position is somebody who is so utterly committed to enhancing Irish society. And it shouldn't be somebody who's all about the money. You know, this isn't about convincing somebody from the private sector that it's worth their while to come here. This is about someone who wants to make Ireland a better place. Like it's the most senior position in health effectively. And like, uh, I'm annoyed. <laughs> You're very calmly annoyed, though. So, yeah, we, well, we might move on to more uh, rage filled discussions, maybe. Obviously, Wednesday was CNN's uh, highest rated or highest ratings of the of the year. And that was obviously the attempted coup by domestic terrorists on the Capitol building. And we're calling it what it is. These weren't we're not protesters. These were not. Well, so um, we're, we're not talking about the coup by Donny, you know. Well, yeah, Downey for president. Uh, yeah, poor Downey. I saw his parents on, um, was it RT or something? And they were just bursting with pride and just absolutely delighted for them. So we like Downey here. Um, but yeah, so this was the news that like white domestic terrorists stormed the Capitol building and cheered on by Trump, cheered on by Rudy Giuliani, who um, just hours before said they needed trial by combat. And we've all seen the social media pictures of them standing on Nancy Pelosi's um, or stealing Nancy Pelosi's speaker podium um, sitting in her office. Um, I heard rumours of someone defecating on the, on a desk, but I haven't seen that confirmed, but it wouldn't really surprise me. But, you know, I think we've all, all seen the protests over the summer, over the States around Black Lives Matter. And we didn't need Joe Biden to say if these people were black, none of them would have. It, it just absolutely wouldn't have ended up like it was. So what are our thoughts on the the shitstorm that was Wednesday and I'm really interested in the way it has it's been spun out this morning in in on radio and in the newspapers as a social media uh, generated problem and no guys he's made a living off Trump and ye made him what he is social media didn't make him what he is I mean he's a reality TV star so ye made him ye promoted him ye ye did everything you could to have him on every story, every article, and every enabler of his was there as well. So, no, you're responsible. Don't point at social media. Point at yourselves. You did it. You did it. You know, because I know for this. Yeah, no, it's it's just nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Anybody who lauded Trump, and there are a lot of them, a lot of them who did, you're responsible. You are personally. 
Um, can I just, I've just turned on, I've just, uh, can I ask Tony Flynn, who is, uh, who was in the States and sent me an, a wonderful email overnight um, on the situation. And I'm going to just, you going to steal, I, I'm sure you, you uh, we have the, we have it in KKK, but it's Ku Klutz clans and, and, uh, and, and they were, cl- they were clowns as well, Tony. Um, Tony, do you want to just outline, I mean, myself and Martin did speak to Seamus and you're quite right to point it out that we, we kind of did focus on some of the idiocy of the guys dressed in furry costumes and that but this there was a, a level of sophistication to this and people who with with actual military training yeah and having been inside the capital you know several times and the senate offices you know it's not an easy place to find your way around and they found all the good stuff very quickly so a lot a lot of that's obviously freely available but you know for somebody like myself, you know, who faces the prospect of having to go into work there in a few days' time for the inauguration, I'm taking it very seriously. Um, the decisions around not sending support to help the U.S. Capitol Police were made very deliberately. You know, we have a Republican governor in Maryland saying he had his troops ready to go and he was not being given the okay to go help out. So, you know, call it what it is. I'm glad you are calling it what it is. It, it, it was a coup attempt. It wasn't in the conventional sense of General Galtieri, you know, standing up at a hunter, but there was people there trying to create chaos to stop a formal inauguration happening. And they would, you know, we've seen this coming for a long time. They would take advantage of that chaos and, you know, try to skip over the, the normal transition. That's the fear that we've all had. And again, there's 300 million guns in this country. The guys were out parading in, in Frankfurt, Kentucky last night. There's a lot of calls coming over the next 10 days for shows of force. There's talks of a million man militia march on the on the 17th or the, or the 19th. So, as I said, the, the music hasn't stopped playing and those of us close to it are taking it very seriously. It's a, it's a very combustible situation. And, yeah, it's easy to laugh at these clowns, yeah, kind of dressed up and with, with, with all their, their, their best gear and they're out of the basement for the weekend. But it is quite an explosive combination when you think about unhinged people that are heavily armed. So we're, I'm, I'm certainly taking it seriously. And the fact that it was planned as well, like, you know, some people might say, oh, well, it just everyone got caught up in the moment. But they had T-shirts printed with, you know, January 6th, the coup is happening, um, as well as Camp Auschwitz as well, you know, which is obviously just beyond absolutely disgusting. But this was well planned on social media for a long time. And yeah, you know, one of the videos I saw was a massive crowd going up to three cops with tiny little railings and ma- like they obviously didn't stand a chance. Uh, that's not including the, the cops who opened the gates and were pictured on on video like waving protesters in but it just seems like can i come in on that point though because and i'm not saying this is what happened on the day obviously um we should all be very concerned about whether the cops facilitated this but what the ironic thing here is that actually from a policing point of view letting them in may have been the best decision um because when you've such a volatile situation, letting them blow off that steam, doing whatever it takes to preserve life, given the amount of those people that were likely to be armed, you know, a highly combative first response would undoubtedly have seen a massive loss of life. I was comparing this to the last day, like in 72, there was a huge protest at the British Embassy in Dublin over the hunger strikes. It was really intense, very volatile. 
And the guards actually made the decision to let them burn down the British embassy because if they tried to engage, lives would have been lost. And four lives were lost this week. Um, Now, we know, obviously, the response would have been completely different if these individuals were Black Lives Matter or if it was Muslim. But it just shows, actually, that when they want to, they can make those decisions. It may or may not be for the right reason. But like, I think it's important to understand that that can be a really legitimate and well-intentioned response. I'm not sure that it was, but um, like we can we can just like if the cops had responded with strength initially, I suspect there would have been dozens, if not more, deaths. Um, Tony, do you have any final comment or? Oh, I think it's a fair point, but by Vicky, like from a crowd control point of view, keeping the, the crowd safe, like giving up the barriers, you know, can be a way of providing more space. I, I think the question really is why the show of strength wasn't there initially. We, we've seen it, you know, throughout the summer. You know, I've seen how difficult it is to get near these monuments. We've seen their preparations for other events. It simply wasn't there. So that, I think, is the big concern. You know, the, the FBI has published reports how well infiltrated, you know, the, the 17,000 police forces there are in this country yeah. are by, by the people who work on after this. So it's the, a serious situation. I just, I just at last, on that point, there, ha- there has been pointed out that, um, and it goes back to the to, to the phrase of uh, what is it? Some of those that 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 fight forces are the ones that burn crosses because there were people in the in the in the police force who protested and it went back to work that evening. Um, yeah. Sorry, Martin. Yeah, I, I think it's worth saying too that it's it was a protest against privilege being. Um, withdrawn or taken away from people. I think that's worth saying as well. Um, They are privileged white people and they don't like the idea of having to have a more equal society and inclusive society. I think it's very worth pointing that out. I mean, a lot of silly comparisons are being made, um, but this was fairly well-heeled, well-to-do people who just don't want to give up their supremacy and, and and that's really it and and that's what happens when privilege is challenged uh, privilege does not go easy you throw white. violence into the mix and then it's a whole different ball game white but supremacy, isn't there sorry, sorry, yeah, white, white, white supremacy is under is under threat by democracy so i think you're spot on martin yeah well there can be a degree as well that actually less privileged white people will get mobilized in that through like the working class. I mean, this is the same as what happened in terms of Brexit in the UK, right? That it was actually the working class that were scaremongered and, you know, terrified into um, certain behaviors in the BNP and so on. So it's like the upper white class scaremongering working class people into believing that their it's, whole existence is under threat. The exact same thing happened in Spain during the summer yeah. where, the, the, where the wealthy elite actually pushed people onto the street with anti-vax things because the, the budget that was coming was going to tax them at a third rate <laughs> higher. T- so they yeah. were literally, they were, they were, they were using their own influence to do that. But you know, you know, you're right. It is also, but whatever way scale you want to put it, um, there is a there is a hierarchy. Sorry, Caroline, I know you want to move no, us you're on. Grand, no, you're grand. I just think, you know, I've seen, I'm not sure who I saw it um, on social media, but they were saying that while um, white people were running around, like, you know, with their guns and, you know, organising these protests, Stacey Abrams was quietly organising black voters in Georgia Brilliant. to vote. And, you know, 
ensured that, you know, that's that's what's flipped the Senate, you know, to over to Democrats because basically the work of her um, in Georgia and, and empowering black people to vote within a system that oppresses them all the time. So there's a, a massive conversation around that. I know we're only kind of touching on that really, but it's just interesting to see the work that she did while all all this other stuff was going on in the background. Here, here. Um, and we might also just, I suppose, I just thought today that how Kamala Harris was um, not represented well on Vogue's uh, cover. And um, to end on a, a probably lighter note, has anyone seen the cover that she got on Vogue? Oh, okay. They didn't even steam the background of um, the, the fabric and uh, just not a great picture. But anyway, okay, no, we won't go into that. That's a different side note. But it's just something about Vogue and they can't seem to shoot black people very well. So, um, yeah, we'll go into that in a, in a different rant. Vicky, looks like you're like... Well, while we're talking about racism, um, can I just bring up um, George and Ken show again? Um, so obviously we've learned a few more um, facts this week that are just desperate. Two things that just strike me as so hard to kind of get my head around that his sister Gloria came to the door and said, you know, let me talk to him. I can engage with him. And the guards shut the door on her. Um, and then we see as well that some of that there are bullet holes in the the glass at the front of the house um you know into the living room which is really disturbing around um and like serious questions we had have to be asked about the risk assessment that was done in terms of use of force and I know people saying these are immediate split second decisions but it still has to be done without creating additional harm to others um and just to say you know people I, I'm not in any direct contact with um, I'm not in any direct contact with the communities, but people who I know that are are saying that it's insanely tense at the moment. Um, in Clonley, in Dublin 15, in other places, it's the atmosphere is really tense. Like I'm hearing that parents are just glad that the schools are closed because they wouldn't want their kids walking to school at the mo- moment. Um, and it's just um, a really, really difficult time for all of that community. They need the solidarity and support of others. Um, we've talked a lot on this show about active allyship and what that looks like. I'm being told that letters to the family and to the community that just show that and, and put into words and remind people that we are there with them um, as much as we could possibly be from our positions and that those are well received. So I think those could be passed through any of the kind of support organizations working in those communities. I think there's a, there's a point to be made. Someone's mentioned there some right wing um, media trying to spin the story of George as well. And, you know, we, we can be quite kind of quick to talk about that over in the US, but, you know, we need to be cognizant that it actually does happen here. And there is a lot of people looking to the US as a great guide. And I think that was really clear when uh, Twitter banned Trump and the commentary on the right wing side here was really interesting to look at and how all of a sudden free speech um what came back up again, Martin? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I actually think that that and I'm not going to name it, but but that particular right wing uh, website that you're talking about has been mainstreamed by the mainstream, 
And, you know, on several occasions it's been mainstreamed by the mainstream. And those of us with sense are saying, why are you mainstreaming a very far-right uh, uh, social media grift? And yet it's still mainstreamed. And I see people still tweeting it and sharing links. And I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Stop. You're just pushing their agenda. Well, I mean, they, they wrote a whole piece about me this week. Um, and and a number of other um, news outlets have since been trying to get comment from me um, on what's alleged in that piece. So, like, they're mainstreaming it as well. Yeah, no, know? that that is the point. It, it's been it, you're normalizing, legitimizing it, and it's actually, you know, like this is this is well understood. We have these things, and and it's it's U.S. money sloshing around, and it's Christian evangelists money sloshing around. It was it, it worked on the pro life campaign. And there are people with, with with links to the Trump campaign, by the way, who are who are who are heavily involved in some of this. And that money is here, um, and they're, they've they've got much more influence in terms of they can af- they can afford to have that reach. You know, I mean, they they don't have um, they don't seem to have a big presence yet. We've seen some one of the videos they've they've posted has half a million views. I mean, that should tell you everything. It's not it's not a healthy situation. No. I think we need to be very cautious with this, especially because this is the year where the um, abortion laws are going to be reviewed as well. So there mm-hmm. is a meeting, I think it's the 30th of January, organised by the abortion rights campaign, I think. Um, and so it'd just be interesting to see if our allies who did fight for abortion rights will come out again, you know, because we do need people because, again, these people who are anti-abortion are very heavily funded by these you know shadowy figures and religious figures as well and that link is exceptionally clear um like i started tweeting about the the right to life in the context of jordan shenko and got about 30 or 40 different replies calling me a murderer or whatever because i'm a pro-life sorry (laughs) pro-choice um yeah activist yeah Yeah. because abortion is completely similar to this situation yeah of course Um, yeah, so we might we might leave it there. I just would urge people to sign up to that meeting on the 30th because it's going to be a year for um, an interesting um, rollback of, of laws if we let it go. So um, we might we might kind of move things on to our final bit. Tony, here are the foxes and um, oh, have you started recording it yet and selling it online? Oh, <laughs> Do they have an OnlyFans account? Just, just so Did. that people know, Tony had two amorous foxes in his back garden and they were very amorous and... Um, I, I, I didn't know this. I thought they were distressed. Yeah, Tony usually thinks when he hears those noises that people are distressed, but no, that's not what it is, Tony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, well, it was it was obvious that none of you all not many, most people didn't know, but they decided to dunk on me I anyway. Didn't know. So I got yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was it there was very very clearly a, an urban rural divide as well. You know, it was very clearly uh, rural Ireland was like on what's this dope going on about those foxes have clearly i one person said tony let them have their moment <laughs> 90 minutes 90 minutes i put a baraka in a bowl of water and put it out for the other fella and said you need to be rehydrated buddy after something like that i it didn't was. know that so they get their gentles get stuck together yeah that this can happen to hook. humans okay to me. <laughs> i knew this happened to like things like ducks because they've got a corkscrew penis but it's cats foxes. cats as well that's what? and dol- 
dolphins famously have some sort of uh, device as well for holding yeah. uh, the female in place while dolphins they're swimming. Dolphins are rapist so, fuckers. Like they don't <laughs> like. I'm not never doing that swim with dolphins. Like, like dolphins are evil. Uh, tomcats have barbs on their penis. That's that's a hundred percent true. They have barbs on their penis so that they can't withdraw um, until it's less engorged. That's oh, and God. that that's exactly what happens with cats. I, I love cats. This is turning into a bestiality podcast here, and it wasn't even started by me. So I know, well, my only other animal sex fact that I know is that ducks can be necrophiliacs as well. And then there's some female animal that when a male is like determined to have sex with her and she doesn't want it, she like, She's got like two wombs or two vaginas or something. She can swap them over so he doesn't actually um, like um, make her pregnant. Got I'm going to look that up him. if anyone knows what it is. But yeah, Tony's shown pictures of um, entangled foxes there on his, uh, on his uh, OnlyFans. Actually, um, it's strange, Tony. You live on an island. It's actually an island surrounded by traffic. And that fox has got in there in the first place. Like, it's quite a secure spot. Uh, I'd, say they, I'd say they just said, listen, that fella in there is a prude. Let's, <laughs> let's, ruin, his, let's ruin his entire morning. Um, and, and trust me, you know, and even you, the kids. Did, did you have the rabbit out the back? No, no, thankfully not. <laughs> they were distracted. That rabbit was perfectly safe at that time. They had other things. 90 minutes. <laughs> Who can do that for 90 minutes? We better move on. Move on. We, we might end it there before we start talking about Fox Viagra. Heroes? Um, Oh, oh yeah, sorry, yeah, our heroes of the week. Oh my gosh, I got distracted by um, necrophilia and, and animals. So yes, Vicky, your hero of the week. Who is it this week? Um, I, I'm, it, mine is uh, a slightly preemptive Catherine Corliss um, and the work that's everything that's going to happen that the reports here, you know, all of it. She's just, yeah, um, she's at the forefront of my head, I guess, at the moment. And um, I think it's it. We should be so grateful for her, um, but we also have to do justice to the work. And this is the the report being published will only be a start of a process, not an end. Martin, I'm actually going with Anthony O'Connor. I think he's playing, in the true sense, playing a blinder. He's not spinning. He's just telling it like it is. And it's awful at the moment. It's really awful. I mean, I mean, I know we talked about COVID earlier, but it is actually out of control. And nobody, nobody in government is going to tell you it's out of control, but it's out of control. And how we get to the other side of this is now a mystery. It's a complete mystery. There were 750 Gardaí uh, down sick during the week. Nurses, there are hundreds of nurses out sick. It is now so thin that the, it, it's unfixable and I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how anybody's going to draw it back from 8,000 cases and the New Year's Eve cases will start kicking in today. Today is the date. So this is where it starts kicking in. Next four or five days are going to be horrendous. Horrendous. It's full of the joys you are. But it's just the truth, Tony. And Anthony is, is speaking yeah. truth. To oh, no, I, I, no, I really agree with you. And I've and uh, actually, Anthony, um, Gabriel Colloran, Clean uh, and Nikialig, they've all been fantastic this week and they've been consistent and they've talked and advocated. Even Mo, who just who, who was on with us earlier, I have seen him on social media telling people the truth, the reality, you know, PPE'd up to his eyeballs and talk about the dangers that they're facing. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know people in the, I saw some in the comments, Tony, pointed out that Gloria Inchenko was brilliant this week and she absolutely was fabulous. Um, 
I'm actually thinking of writing a fentanyl tool piece where I say that the Irish Times Paul course should go into A&E and the A&E consultants should go into the Irish Times. Uh, we, we have this fight all the time. I wouldn't blame the Paul Corps. I blame the political editor. We'll move, we'll move that along. We'll move it along. But no, I think, like, and not to, I know we're in here to be, but like the news out of California that one person is dying of COVID every eight minutes and they've just ordered mobile morgues because they, like, if you are in a car accident in California now, you're not making it because every ICU bed in the state is full. Well, maybe not. That might be an exaggeration, but they're ordering mobile morgues. And it's like, I would, hey for that to be our situation over here but if we're if it's going up and up and up and up like it's terrifying so roll on the vaccine and some actual like measures to keep us safe um tony a better cheerier note you're a hero of the no week. it's quite simple um the, the, when you actually mentioned the vaccines as the people who are now we're rolling out these vaccines and trying to get that i've seen it's a glimmer of hope. It's a it's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I genuinely think that it's it's a again we can't can't stress enough. There's now I think something like there's four authorized, another four in the in the works that are you know show a lot of signs of being been helpful, um, and I think that's really really positive that we could be coming out the other end. I, there's people in the audience who've had their vaccines, and don't think for one second that I am not jealous. I am absolutely insanely jealous. I'm delighted for you. I think it's great, but. It's just so unfair. I mean, what about the podcasters? <laughs> not a protected category, Tony. Definitely not. Um, I've, I've, I've a couple of heroes of the week. First is like Donny O'Sullivan for entertaining us all and uniting Twitter, but also his parents for being ridiculously proud of them and absolutely delighted. I couldn't understand a word his dad said, but he looked like he was really proud of him anyway with that big, thick Kerry accent. Yeah, I am a dub. Um, but my other hero of the week is Vicky Phelan for again, you know, going on the late lay and, and talking about her journey. And she's gone off to the States today um, to try some new radical treatment as well. So um, I think there's a few people saying, can everyone light a candle for her today and, and, you know, wish her well on her journey. So I just think, you know, everything that she's done to raise awareness of how women in this country have been treated has just been incredible. So, um, yeah, so we'll leave it there. Um, Fox's COVID, Trump and Fox Viagra. It's been a weird week, I think is an understatement. Someone on Twitter said it's, you know, I, I like my... Um, subscription to 2021 to be refunded because it's turning out to be just as bad as 2020 so yeah we'll give it a month and we'll see where we're going from here so we'll see so um we leave it there and we'll um have a chat with our patrons uh now afterwards and see if you want to join us next week it's you know where we have a bit of a laugh and you can come along and join us it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack and we will chat to you next time